We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. and drops back, throws an arching pass upfield, Reggie Townfields gathers it in on the dead run, and races all the way to score for Los Angeles, a 72-yard touchdown play. First down, inside his own five from his own end zone, sacked in a safety on Rudolph, Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg, a savage ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 He sees a hole, burst to it. 20. Nice steps to tackle, runs left. 25 still to see. 10. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo. All by myself today. Mike's off, but no worries. It's another tour around the league night, and we got two great guests for you. First, from the Phoenix Cardinals podcast, Bo Brack. He's a man, he's been here a couple times. Later on, Bradley Ward from the All Eyes on Cleveland podcast. He also Right through the Browns wire. So we're covering tonight the Arizona Cardinals and the Cleveland Browns. Right away, before we even get there, I want to give you an opportunity to hear from our sponsors. They want to talk to you, and we are obliged to listen. Here you go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com All right, first up, we have a conversation with Bo Brack from the Phoenix Cardinals podcast. Uh, it's an interesting conversation. A couple of things I want you to know. A, first and foremost, unfortunately, it's not my fault. Things just happened. The sound quality on the call wasn't great. I'm sorry. It just wasn't perfect. Um, we did what we could with it to try and clean it up. Nonetheless, it's got a few problems. It's still listenable. It's still got good information. But it is. this is the nature of podcasting sometimes. Um, one note, we recorded this right before, like minutes before the news came out that the Cardinals had taken the notice, um, the, the part of the contract out from Kyler Murray that talked about study minutes. So you, you'll hear this and just so you know. So here you go. Here's Bo Brack from the Phoenix Cardinals podcast. <laughs> All right, folks, we're here with Bo Brack. I repeat, he's here a lot. Like, you might as well just kind of get a cot in the, you know, the Rams Talk Radio Studios because you are always here. It just seems like we never stop talking to you. And yet again, here we go. The Fiends Cardinals. Last year. A couple, at least, man. Playoffs and so on. So we talked to quite a bit. We talked for preseason. We do talk a bit. I'm, I'm a bit curious, though. As to where the Cardinals are, Bo. Because, you know, as the season ended, they kind of just fell apart. They, I mean, how do I say it? It wasn't pretty. Right? It's brutal. Brutal. Um, And it really kind of started right around the second Rams game. And it was ugly the rest of the year. Now, you have Kyler Murray who everyone's questioned at the end of the year. Questioning relationship with the team, questioning relationship with everybody, pretty much. And then he signs this extension, which caught me off guard to begin with. I was blown away he signs this, this big extension. And then later in the day, the detail comes out that he has required to watch or study film like for like, what, four hours a week, something like that? Yeah. Can you walk me through this? Because from the outside view, the fact that he signed the extension was a little off considering how things have been. And then two, the fact that that news piece leaks that he's required in his contract to 
to study film as if a quarterback isn't studying film, shouldn't be studying film. I mean, what? what? Can you help me understand this? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it, it, it absolutely kind of sullied a great moment for the organization because if you follow this team, since they moved to the desert, they just haven't drafted and developed a quarterback and signed him to you know a second contract. Really, in its history, it did it with Jake Plummer, and, and that was short-lived. You know, the playoff run in '98, but for the most part, it, it's been their white whale. They've been they've been seeking it and, and searching out for it for forever, and they finally get one in Kyler Murray. They make the pivot from Josh Rosen, the mistake Josh Rosen, tenth overall, the next draft, their number one overall. They take Kyler Murray. And, you know, he produces for the first three years. I mean, he's the offensive rookie of the year. He's a two-time pro bowler. He takes him back to the playoffs after a traditional atrocious 2018. They're back in the playoffs in three short seasons. He did exactly what he was asked of. And, you know, like many of his, uh, you know, predecessors, I guess, at the position, guys, or peers, I should say, at the position, year four rolls around. And most of these guys get those extensions. And that's what... Kyler Murray and his group angled for off offseason long, and they wanted kind of an unprecedented time earlier in the offseason, but he got it more in line with when Mahomes and Josh Allen and Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson, and everybody who's gotten that, that extension in year four, he got it in July. He got it last week. So he gets it. He's making $46.1 million per season, second most per season in NFL history, just behind Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, everything's all well and good. And then, you know, he has the press conference, the team, uh, Kyler Murray, they commit themselves to each other, and they want to win multiple Super Bowls together, and they're paying them handsomely. And then this language comes out on Monday, you know, uh, that this addendum, this, this, uh, this, what is it, the independent study addendum in the contract that basically says Kyler Murray has to watch four hours of film on his own, away from the facility, um, to, to prepare for games each and every week. And everybody's like, well, what is you know, that's an indictment on Kyler Murray. That's, that says that he's not watching film. And, you know, kind of trying to see through this, uh, Derek, well, this was more Arizona Cardinals have never paid a, a player in its franchise history this kind of money. And their owner, uh, his father, Bill Bidwell, was a very frugal person. That's what we'll say nicely about Bill Bidwell, frugal, right? So... Michael Bidwell, who took over the team many years ago, and it's officially after Bill Bidwell's passing, it kind of takes a little bit from his dad and has been a lot better of an owner as far as dishing out contracts to its star players. But still, this is kind of um, un uncharted waters for the organization. So Bidwell has an attorney background and is very pays very close to the details and wanted this in there. And I don't think he, uh, he knew that Kyler Murray, if this ever got out, would be raked over the coals like he was the last couple of days because Kyler Murray took some shots during this. And ever since that addendum was made public, he's just taken shot after shot. And uh, he spoke to the media on Thursday. It was not a uh, scheduled media appearance by Kyler Murray, not a guy that likes to talk and field questions to the media. But he thought he felt like he needed to kind of back up his character and, you know, you can find all the conspiracy theorists out there, you know, that he doesn't watch film. But it, it, I think he outlined it pretty well. It's like, hey, I'm a 5'10 quarterback. I'm a non-traditional quarterback. You really think I would have gotten here without watching film? That's ridiculous. It's disrespectful to me. It's disrespectful to my peers to think that I just can roll in each and every week without watching film and play at the level that I do. So, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's been a wild story all season long. 
he had thought that the that the it was going to be a period on it, a button on it once he put ink to paper, and then this addendum showed up. And uh, I, I think people absolutely there was a New York Times article out there that said you know he didn't watch as much film as anybody, and we knew that. But in, in four hours of film, independently of not asking too much, I think it was more this organization being sticklers and covering their behinds when they're making a quarter billion dollar investment in their young quarterback. I mean, but really, they had to know that somebody is going to point that out. Like, why? Saying, yeah. Why? I mean, that would to me, if I were Murray, I would be. A, I, I would understand why he'd be a bit ticked. Like, well, I, I, I get. I mean, I don't think he's. It, we, we talked about that on our podcast, uh, PHNX Cardinals. Like, it, it, is it? Is he mad at the wrong people? Is he mad at the people that are raking over the coals that this even has to be in the contract? Should he be mad at the organization? But look, he agreed to this contract. I mean, he knew it was in there. Uh, you know, do we know like how much he can, you know, trigger, how much money he can trigger by, you know, uh, abiding by this addendum? So he knew about it. And yeah, I don't, I don't know if you could call him naive, Derek, because of course in this day and age, it seems inevitable that everything is going to be leaked. Um, you know, that, that it was actually going to see the light of day and people are going to find out about it. Uh, that, I think that's a good debate, but um, I think this is more on the organization than more so than, than Murray himself. I mean, that's my thinking. What, I guess my question would be, aren't you kind of setting a bad tone for your player when this is something that's out there? Like, somebody made it. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, and it's, and it's what the, the organization, are they, are they willing to kind of wear that, wear that and have that black eye, but make sure their behind's covered in a quarter million dollar investment? And I think they would rather err on that side. Um, so tell me the rest of this, this Cardinals team after last year, the disappointment to have, of how the season ended. You know, how have they recovered in the offseason? What have they done to kind of try and turn things around quickly to compete in the NFC West, which is still pretty strong? Absolutely. I mean, what, what have they done? I mean, what, what has this Cardinals team done in the last Yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a very quiet offseason. I mean, they've had more, you know, bigger names exit the roster than, than come onto the roster. I mean, you could argue that the biggest acquisitions this offseason actually were already on the roster. Like there was some um, speculation that center, uh, a former all-pro caliber center, Rodney Hudson, whether or not he was going to play this year. And he finally made the decision to return, and that was huge. And then the Kyler Murray situation, that, that, you know, locking their quarterback in. Those were the biggest moves outside of acquiring Hollywood Brown, uh, Kyler Murray's, you know, top target in college at Oklahoma for a first-round pick. Uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. Now they also got a third round pick too that they invested in on the defense. But, you know, how do they replace Chandler Jones, who took a huge contract with the Las Vegas Raiders? Uh, how do they, you know, and then they've got Christian Kirk, who exited for an absurd contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars. To, to think that this, this roster just kind of got better by swapping out Hollywood Brown for Christian Kirk and then just having this young rotation of pass rushers replace Chandler Jones, yeah, you'd absolutely be naive. I think what they're anticipating they're doing being the team that they were up until maybe that Rams game. Because in that Rams game, uh, I believe it was on Thursday Night Football, they suffered a season-ending injury to DeAndre Hopkins. The offense just wasn't the same without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Hopkins, uh, you know, another hit against this, or this team is he's going to miss the first six games. 
Mm-hmm. So due to a PED violation. So they are really, really going to have to be good out of the gates again. Like they've been the last two seasons, but they're going to have to do it without their wide receiver one. So, you know, it's, there, there isn't a lot of, um, you know, it, it's going to come, come down on the shoulders of, of Kyler Murray to play like a superstar, uh, reconnect uh, with his college top receiver, and then, you know, weather the storm of, of a tough schedule. Because, you know, as I do, I mean, the NFC West, especially the top teams, and the Rams and the Cardinals and the Niners, they're going to play a gauntlet of a schedule because not only do they have to kind of go through this um, this cannibalistic NFC West where they're going to just devour each other, uh, but also they've got to face the AFC West. So it's, it is it is going to be tough for the, this team to repeat 11 wins. But, um, you know, they, they, they think that they can repeat the, the success that they had early in last season just by getting key players back and healthier in the Andre Hopkins and J.J. Watt. And I'm looking at week one, Chiefs. Week two, Raiders at the Raiders. Week three, the Rams. Week four, the Panthers. Okay, week four, the Panthers. Week five, the Eagles sort of much improved. Week six at Seattle. Those are your six games that DeAndre's missing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you can explain the, prog- you know, the prognosis on Marquise Brown. He's on the, the, uh, the PUP list right now. So how long is he out for? Yeah, he tweaked. Kingsbury said that he tweaked the hamstring last week just before training camp opened up. They, they don't, they're just being precautious with him. Uh, it'd be one thing if you, you didn't feel like he, you had to get up him up to speed with your quarterback, but there's a history there. They're going to utilize him a lot like he was utilized at Oklahoma, where he had over 1,300 yards and double-digit touchdowns catching passes from Kyler Murray during his Heisman season. I know it's not the Big 12 defenses that you're facing here, but you know I think that Hollywood Brown going from a run-first offense to a pass-first offense from Baltimore to, to Arizona, he should be – you should see just an uptick in numbers, and he should be good. He, he's had – the burden of being, you know, a wide receiver without a lot of talent around him outside of Mark Andrews in Baltimore. Uh, he had a thousand yard receiving, receiving season last year. So he should be okay to help whether they don't go up against that talent of defensive secondaries in those first six weeks, the talented front sevens. It's going to be up to the offensive line to play uh, well in those games. So, um, yeah, it's, Hollywood Brown, I think, is a positive addition, could help weather the storm without DeAndre Hopkins. And then when he gets back, you know, that can help this team do something that they haven't done under Cliff Kingsbury, and that's finished the season, you know, trending in the right direction. So tell us about this draft class. How is this draft class helping this team come back from last year? Uh, it, it gives you a little bit more uh, playmaking depth. Trey McBride was their first player that they took, 55th overall in the second round. He, he's a guy who went over 1,000 yards. He was the top prospect at the tight end position in this draft and can help provide some mismatches and kind of play under Zach Hurts. You like the two tight end sets and Cliff Kingsbury deploys that uh, quite a bit. And then, you know, you've got James Conner and uh, all the other options on, on offense. And then they had to flood the, the pass rush position uh, with numbers. So at third, in the third round, they take Cameron Thomas out of San Diego State. He's a guy that kind of looks a little, a little bit of a mold of J.J. Watt very, 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 very loosely. Uh, the mold of J.J. Watt, a little bit smaller, not as, you know, um, physical as Watt. But if you can put these young guys in the other third-round pick that they had out of Cincinnati, my J. Sanders, uh, just in a, in a rotational pass rush role, uh, you take in consideration, you know, Chandler Jones at least sack number. He had five in the first game last year, not, you know, 10 overall. You, you've got to make up, you know, 
nine sacks out of out of rotation. So they're going to have to find that what fits them outside of Marcus Golden, who had a great year, eleven sacks and four four force fumbles last year. So um, and then you know beyond that, beyond the two third round picks, I'd be surprised to see anybody really contribute this year. But it's going to be up to McBride, the second round pick, and the two third round defensive players to make an impact. They have to make an impact in order for this roster, who's very top-heavy, and I'll say this, there has no margin for error as far as key injuries. And you know in the NFL, that's, that's not a great way to make a successful living. So it's gonna, things have to go very well for this team to have success. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw the Rams. They've been top-heavy now, and they've had to have things had to go a certain way or, or toast, toast, toast. And the same for them this year. I mean, things don't go their way. It's going to be trouble. So at that point, where it is a very small margin of error, where do you think the Cardinals land this year in the NFC West? Um, you know what? It's I think that they can buy obviously for that top spot. Um, you know, if things go perfectly, but like to be realistic, they, they're going to be competing. I think with San Francisco for the number two, number three spot, and it's going to come down to playing well within the division. It's going to come down. A couple of key players on the defensive side, uh, two guys that they invested first round picks into, and Zayvon Collins last year, and then Isaiah Simmons, uh, who looks like he's going to play more of a, a safety position. Um, it, it's going to be, uh, it, it's going to come down to those guys playing out of their minds and, and really uh, developing uh, and, and giving them a, it's just kind of a different look. It's not going to be, you know, getting after the quarterback like the Chandler Jones has been known to do for the last since 2016. So it, it's really going to be interesting to see, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, how they can duplicate the success. Look, under Cliff Kingsbury, they've improved by, you know, two and a half wins or more each season. You know, it's going to be tough to do that again coming off an 11-win playoff season. So, in all that, you're basically saying... <laughs> I want you to give me some of the more specific. I'm gonna push you a little bit. Yeah, I think that they, I mean, when you look at Vegas, this this team is the, the win total is eight and a half. I think that they can come in just above that nine ten. Uh, we talk about the start to the season; it's not going to be easy. But with Hopkins coming back, um, they can certainly certainly make up some headway from like week four to. Like week nine, if they can stack wins in that spot, they should be fine. But if they don't, if they struggle, if they lose team against teams that they shouldn't, like Carolina, it could be you know a six seven win season. But you know, if Tyler Murray can play like the quarterback they expect, um, I mean, as he goes, they go. And if Kyler Murray plays close to a full season, this team's going to continue to win a lot of football games. So I think that they can come in about ten and seven and. You know, where does that put them in a tough division? I think that they can put them right around second or third in the NFC And even with second and third at this point, it, that could be a playoff berth. I mean, this is a deep division. Yeah. If they manage to. Uh, nine, that seems like the magic number. Right? Nine seems to be the magic number with the actual playoff uh, team that they put in a couple of years ago. So I think that can happen. Right. So, Bo, I noticed you. you Changed a few things in the offseason. You're no longer locked on. So can you tell me where tell me where they can find you and all your work? Yeah, we're at the PHNX Cardinals now and covering the team on a full-time basis and having a blast doing it. I've been at, I'm out there every day covering this team, getting as much content as possible. 
Um, and uh, yeah, you can find us on YouTube, PHNX Sports, and of course, you can find us on on Twitter at PHNX underscore Carp. All right, bro. Have a great one. We'll be seeing you sometime this season. Sounds good, my man. I don't know about you, but all the drama that's taken place around Kyler Murray throughout the course of the last, you know, the last year and change, I would say is a red flag. When your quarterback goes, your team goes. It's very, I mean, that's happened with Cleveland, right? It's very difficult to come back from that. And here, the Cardinals and Kyler Murray are in this marriage for the next how many years? Four years. And in these four years, I mean, you're not, you're not even in your first season under the new contract, and here we go. So I see some red lights there. He mentioned a couple of things that, you know, are concerning, some things that aren't so much. It's a tough division. It's got a hard, it's a very difficult schedule for the NFC West this year. So I don't know the thing about the Cardinals. I think they probably take a step back. I think the entire NFC West, unless everybody's feasting on Seattle, I think everybody's going to take a little bit of a step back just because the schedule is that darn difficult. So, I mean, you get the AFC West on your schedule. You've got, man, this is, it's just, it's not a schedule to be trifled with. So there's that. So, finish your emails. RamsTotling45 at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on, on where you think the Cardinals are, how the Rams match up with them. We'd love to hear from you. Again, it's RamsTalk1945 at gmail.com. Our next up, Bradley Ward. The All Eyes on Cleveland podcast talking about the Cleveland Browns. Another quarterback controversy. Check it out. Okay, next installment of the tour in the league. Our annual event here at Rams Talk Radio. And we're here with, with the Cleveland Browns representative Bradley Ward. He is the All Eyes on Cleveland podcast producer. Also writes for the Browns Wire for USA Today. Mr. Ward, what's up, man? What's up, Derek? Uh, thanks for the invite. Uh, glad to be on here and uh, talk to you. And you can just call me Brad. You just call me Brad. All right, Brad. Well, if you're ready, here we go because we got some stuff here. And, and I can't, I can't go any further without <laughs> asking about the obvious one, Deshaun Watson. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, from a localized perspective. It's always different than what you're going to fly on a national perspective. So um, for our listeners out in L.A. who don't know a whole lot, they read the national news, what's the real story that happened here with Deshaun Watson and with Baker Mayfield? How did this go down? Um, well, you know, the interception thrown in the Texans game where Baker comes up and makes the tackle and hurts his shoulder was kind of – going to end up being a pretty pivotal play in Brown's history, Derek, to be honest. Um, he plays hurt the rest of the year and plays poorly, right? Um, and he probably, a lot of this is revisionist, but you'll hear a lot of it from Cleveland sports talk and stuff that that he should have been taken out, right? And um, that they should have gone to their backup and they should have, you know, given him rest at certain times throughout the year or or maybe even just set him out for a couple weeks at a time. But the doctors were telling Stefanski, Andrew Barry, Brown's front office, that, 
you know, he was good to play and he was practicing decently, right? And they're saying he gives us our best chance to win. So they kept putting him out there and uh, obviously Baker had, feels some sort of way about that, um, especially towards the end of the year. But he wanted to tough through it. And, and then, uh, you know, in the off season. Andrew Barry uh, supposedly made it clear to, you know, he claims that on uh, Combine weekend, he made it clear to Baker's camp that they might pursue Russell Wilson or um, Deshaun Watson, a, a major upgrade at the, at the position. Now, Baker has made it, and his camp have made it sound like that never happened. Um so believe who you want there, right? Um, and uh, a lot of people feel Baker really got hosed. I, I don't feel that way so much because you're going to hear a lot of stories coming out, Derek, in my opinion, about his immaturity and some things that went on in the locker room. And as you've, some have already come to light here now that he's out of Cleveland. Um, he could have handled himself better. He will be remembered forever in Brown's lore, certainly, for getting us over the hump uh, of all the losing and getting us to a playoff game. But, uh, you know, and then they go get Watson and, and they're out of, uh, you know, they make the, the jet flight to visit him. A couple of days later, they're ruled out of the running. And the next day they sign him with the $230 million guaranteed contract, which will change quarterback negotiations forever as well. Um, so, that's kind of the story. The, the way I feel about it is this, right? It, it, it wasn't a moral or ethical move, um, but football-wise, in long term, regardless of what suspension comes down from Sue Robinson here, it looks like early next week is the latest on that. Um, long term, they're going to have a better quarterback. And ultimately, I can't hate that uh, as a football fan. I understand the people that are upset ethically and morally about the situation. I get it, 100%. There's a lot of angles and ins and outs and what have you to this, Derek. So when you say ethically and morally clarify, because there is a set of – there is a a subset of of fans who would argue that the guy hasn't been found guilty of anything in a court of law. Um, I agree. Uh, there are also a lot of fans that have already deemed him guilty. Um, there are a lot of Browns fans that have taken down their Brown stuff and, and claiming they'll never put it up. I find that hard to believe. I think when he starts throwing touchdown passes and winning games, that stuff will go right back up. But there are a lot of them, people I know, that have taken all their Brown stuff down, say they can't do it. You know, because of their wife, their daughter, you know, etc. Um, so he's been found guilty in the court of public opinion by a lot of people as well. I would make that argument. Yes, certainly there are a lot of people pointing out and poking holes in the story. And it doesn't seem like the NFL put the best case forward uh, in this hearing. And uh, there seems to be some momentum for Watson's side as far as that goes at one point it seemed like a year no doubt I don't I think we're off of the year it wouldn't it's still not out of the realm of outcomes Derek but I think that uh 
it seems like we may be looking at more around like eight, ten, something like that. Six, eight, ten. That's what would be my guess. I've I've been in the corner of it from the beginning. I believe it's going to be eight. That's been my yeah. my number yeah. eight. Yeah, so. you know, but a good negotiation or a good hearing like this, right? Both sides are not happy, and both sides are kind of happy, right? So eight would kind of do that, I think. Um, I don't know what's taken so long. I mean, I asked, I had a lawyer on my show, uh, Jeremy Evans, sports lawyer, California, to talk about all this stuff. And, I, you know, I just texted him the other day and said, man, is this too long? I mean, what <laughs> is taking forever <laughs> for her to make a decision? I mean, she got her briefs on the 11th, uh, and that was even two weeks after the hearing ended. So, uh, you know, and he said, no, this is pretty standard. So I guess this is standard. She's not operating on NFL time at all. So. So going to the rest of the team now, the re- actually the rest of the team, outside of that, it's been a pretty, I'd say, quiet offseason, given all things considered. Baker's gone. You got your new quarterback, but it's been quiet else. It's a little weird to say that. So how do you evaluate the Browns' offseason overall outside of the quarterback picture? Where have they gotten better? Where are, they, where are you concerned they haven't gotten better? And and where do you really view this team now? Um, <clears throat> I actually think, and I think their roster is really good. I do. Um, they And they had a good roster last year, but I, I even think that they've They've built upon that on the defense. Their defense should be excellent. If their defense can gel, their defense can be really good and can keep them in some games with Brissett at quarterback, right? Um, for whatever amount of games he has to do that. Their first four games of their schedule, they kind of lucked out are rather easy. Um, the easiest portion of their schedule, so that helps a little. I think their defense can be excellent. They're weak on the interior defensive line. Maybe the worst on paper interior defensive line room in the NFL. But you've got Clowney and Garrett on the edge, right? You've got Denzel Ward, Greg Newsome at corner. Um, you've got some depth at corner with Greedy Williams and some other guys. You've got John Johnson and Grant Delpit in safety. Uh, Jeremiah Wosu koromoa Anthony Walker, uh, Sione Takitaki at linebacker. So I, I expect the defense to be very good. I do. Um, as long as they can stay healthy for the most part. That was a problem last year, and I, they're due for some good luck with health. I also think that uh, the offense, you know, the running game is strong. Uh, I have some concerns about the wide receiver room, Derek, for, for sure. It's very, in my opinion, you know, the Amari Cooper – Fifth rounder for Amari Cooper at twenty million now looks like a steal with the way the wide receiver market has exploded, right? But um, beyond that, you know, I think Donovan Peoples Jones is efficient. His his advanced analytics look great, but he needs to do it in more volume. And he needs to do it as a lit, legit wide receiver too, which is kind of unproven for him, in my opinion. I like David Bell as a draft pick. I think he can do it. Still unproven. Anthony Schwartz, I'm not a huge fan of, and they're expecting him to step up. Um, so I, I think they're thin and unproven at wide receiver. I would have loved to see them bring in another veteran at that position. They signed Njoku to a big deal, but they get they got to throw him the ball more, right? He's got all the talent in the world, but they got to feature him a little bit more, and I think that'll happen now that Hooper's gone. Um, 
it was a huge disappointment as far as catching the ball. So I think the I think they have all the tools and talent on this roster to be very good. It's whether it really to me comes down to the suspension. I mean, eight games can Brissett go four and four. Then I think they have a shot, right? You know what I mean with with Watson and the, and the back end. It's uh, it's going to come down to that. It's going to come down to how many games can they win, um, leaning on the defense in the run game until he gets back. Well, I mean, how are you about Brissett? I mean, I know I've got my views on him, having seen him playing in the past. How do you and, and the organization? How do they view Brissett right now? Um. He's not great, right? He's not <laughs> He's not great. He's a very professional quarterback. He's very, you know, uh well liked and uh looked on in a, in an excellent light around the NFL. But but he's not great. Like he's not going to do special things at quarterback, but he should take care of the ball for you ideally. Um and you know, he's going to be in an offense that has some talent around him and a good run game. So maybe he can do more than I'm giving him credit for. I have my doubts. What, what do you think? You said you've, you've watched him at length. You would probably know more better than me. That's a, that's at a distant glance at his numbers and some of his work. I mean, haven't seen his work and haven't seen him step in into some rough situations, especially in Indianapolis. I really kind of felt like I'm not saying he'd be a star in this league or anything like that, but I think he's, like you say, efficient. I think he can make plays. I think if you build a solid running game around him, which the Browns should have, then what you're going to find is a quarterback who can make plays for you, can win, can can play. I'm not going to say win you games. I almost said that, but can almost win you games with a good offensive line and good running game. He can win you games. Um, good defensive play. So if Watson's out eight games and there's, you know, there's nine with them, so I think there's a good chance the Browns can go four and four, even five and three. I mean, stuff like you mentioned, it's the world's hardest schedule to start the year. I think they're going to be in good position. It's just really a question of how quick, um, how quick this Browns offense adapts with him there. How well they the defense plays. You mentioned the third line, but I, I I have positive feelings about Jacoby Brissett. I really do. And I think that. It was a very solid pickup by the Browns to go grab him as a backup. That's uh, fantastic news to my ears. You know, I, I hope I hope so, man. Like, I just I, I agree with you. I, I think that he, he will be tasked with game management. He's a game manager, right? Be a game manager. Uh, I kind of hate that phrase, but it's kind of yeah, the best way to describe him, right? It has some bad connotations with it, right? But, but I don't think yeah. he, I don't think he's even that. I think he can run the offense. I don't think he's gonna. Okay. I mean, he's no Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. I mean, this guy kept the Colts in many a games, many a games. You know, the thing that's interesting to look at about when you talk about him is the Browns were eight and nine last year, right? And Probably they lost some games at the end that they probably should have won uh, with very poor play from their quarterback. And they are, you know, basically same defense with a, a few extra pieces added in, right? Um, and and virtually the same run game, same offensive line. I think that 
you know, if he can just do better than what Baker did last year, which I think he can do, then he can keep him afloat. And that's kind of what they're asking him to do, right? Uh, there's so many question marks out there. Like, they're giving, they're giving Watson all the one snaps right now. Is that the right move? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I would say I, it's I, not. He's I don't going think to be it suspended. is either. Right. Uh, I, it feels like they're trying to cram as much work as they can in now, but if he's not suspended, if he's suspended for anything less than a year, it's not like he can still participate all training camp and in the, you know what I mean, the yeah. preseason. So feature him then, not now. I, I would like to see 50-50 or even Brissett as the one at this point. Now, speaking of, you know, like you mentioned, there the coaching decision here. How do you, is Kevin Stefanski the guy to leave this franchise? I think so. I like Kevin a lot. Um, smart, prepared, uh, always prepared um, for you know backup plan after backup plan. I think he's a good play caller. Uh, he certainly had his moments last year um, after being coach of the year, and then you know not so great a year. A lot of people here are. It's almost like Baker left, Eric, and now everybody has turned their attention to, oh, we can't blame him. Let's turn our attention to Stefanski, and now all of a sudden everybody wants to blame him uh, as far as fans go. But I like Stefanski, and I think that he is the right guy. I do. Firmly believe that. I mean, my view with, I mean, so we, we having a Super Bowl winning team, there were many a times last year, year before, year before, where we questioned Sean McVay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there are times, because here's the reality. No matter how good a coach is, even Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, he makes his mistakes. You know, Sean McVay makes, makes for example, he gets tunnel vision. Yeah. He gets tunnel vision in the passing game. He'll fall in love that passing game and just ignore running game. And he got away with that a couple times late in the year last year. You know, so I it's who 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 am I to to judge a coach and expect them to be flawless? Now that doesn't change the fact can um, they do the job? And everything I've seen from Stefanski says so. Yeah, you know he's similar in in his flaws last year, right? Like there's a lot of games where we look at the stats at the end of the game, and it ends up being a close game, and people are going, "Why are we throwing the ball thirty six times with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield?" Right? Like, and and a banged up Baker Mayfield, so he kind of it falls along in that same line of what you're talking about with McVay, where you know he falls in love with the pass, right? Um, and he's got this this run game, you know. They uh, they need to lean on the run even more. And, and something different they've done, Derek. They, you know, something that tangible to look for is in minicamp, and and now here as the you know as they're ramping up here in uh, in training camp, they have featured two backs in the backfield at the same time. We maybe see. I think they're going away from the fullback altogether potentially. Um, which is something that in this offense, right, wide zone, although the Browns are very multiple in their run fronts, but, you know, it's a wide zone base, right, offense. Um, you know, it's 
it's interesting that they are going to go Hunt and Chubb and Dearness Johnson and Hunt and Dearness Johnson and Chubb and Demetric Felton. Now they got Jerome Ford. They drafted it, so they got a lot of running backs back there. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. Felton being mostly featured as a wide receiver at this point. So looking at the roster overall, looking at um, the the changes that have come across, looking at the uncertainty. Where do you rank the Browns in the AFC North right now? Uh, with the uncertainty, I don't think I can rank them. I, I rank them third. Uh, but that all depends on with the news, right? Like we could get really good news and that would change for me, um, I think. So I think you got to go Bengals, right? Uh, Ravens, uh, they have their own contract issues right now dealing with Lamar, but, you know, he's going to be playing, and and they have issues at wide receiver as well. Uh, but right now I would put them ahead of the Browns just because of the uncertainty. I, I, th- I don't think you can say, not knowing how many games Watson is going to be able to play, that, they are, that they're better than the Ravens right now. Um, and I do think they are better than the Steelers because I don't believe in what the Steelers have at quarterback, personally. So third place... Third, third right now, I, I guess is where I is where I would put them. I don't. I guess that's not a prediction of that they'll finish third. I guess that's more of where I would put them with not knowing. Does that make sense? Kind of. I mean, what if it's really hard to predict without not knowing who's going to be your quarterback and for how many games, right? So we know soon enough. Yeah, I, the I'll say this: the roster is good. It's strong. I think people in Cleveland, and I think maybe the Browns front office, are maybe overvaluing their wide receiver room. I'll say that again. I I would love to see them do something different there. And they may just be waiting to churn the bottom of the roster a little when cuts come, right, instead of coming out and making a free agent move or anything like that because the guys that are out there are kind of, eh, right? Uh, So, um, you know, I guess maybe, and I'm sure Barry has a list, Andrew Barry has a list in his pocket of guys that he would add to this roster if they were to come available when cut downs. But, you know, they have a bunch of wide receivers in this room that are vying for maybe that sixth wide receiver spot. And even, it's just so inexperienced and so unproven. I'm just surprised that they're willing to go with what I consider a loaded defensive roster an excellent offensive line and, and an excellent running game. I'm just so surprised that they're willing to go in with such an inexperienced wide receiver room. And that kind of shocks me a little, Derek. I don't, I've been kind of pounding the table on my show and in my writing, like you've got to do better than this. And I like David Bell and I think Donovan Peoples Jones is going to be good, but to depend on those guys and, and say one of them goes down, now you got to depend on Anthony Schwartz, who I don't believe in at all. Uh, I mean, that's just its not a great formula for what's supposed to be an upgraded pass game. I think initially, Derek, the thought was Deshaun Watson will elevate the play of a lot of these guys. And I get that, right? I get that. But now you're in this, you know, now we're here, so what are you going to do when he's not playing? Well, my guess is their plan right now is they're going to elevate that running game. They're going to focus run, 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 and ease these receivers into their offense. That seems that way, yeah. That's what I yeah. think is going to be. 
All right, so Brad, can you let people know where they can find your work, where they can find your podcast, all that jazz? Yeah, absolutely. You can listen to All Eyes on Cleveland of Blue Wire Podcasts. Uh, you can go to the Blue Wire Podcast website. Uh, it's there, but you can also go to alleyesoncleveland.com and where all popular podcasts are found, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. And then you can also, uh, we have a channel on YouTube as well uh, at All Eyes on Cleveland uh, YouTube channel. And then uh, I write at USA Today Sports Media Groups to brownswire.com. Follow me on Twitter at Ward on Sports. There you go. All right. So here we go. That's, that is our Browns edition. I'm looking forward to talking to you again. I think the Browns for the Rams next year. So it'll be good to have it back on when the, those two teams face off with each other next year. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks and have a great one. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Interesting stuff. Uh, interesting, and, and of course, I know a lot about the Browns because I live in the area. I, I see a whole lot, and it's going to be an interesting to watch them this year. He has them third in the division. I really do, like I mentioned in in the interview, I believe that Jacoby Brissett will keep them afloat if they have a running game. So this is not really about Jacoby Brissett. I think this is about the Browns' offensive line. Can they do the job? Can they open lanes? Can they control the football? I don't think a whole lot of the Steelers, I think they had a nice draft. I think they made some nice moves, but they're breaking in a quarterback. I think the Bengals will probably come back to earth a little bit. And you just don't know with Baltimore. Honestly, we just don't know. On paper, they're great. They're very, very good. But that's been the case the last couple of years, whether it be injuries or other issues. Ever since that year where Lamar Jackson dominated, they have been quite been the same. So who knows? I think the Browns can win that division. It wouldn't surprise me. I think they can make a deep run in the playoffs. It's all about how long the suspension is and how long um, it will take Deshaun Watson to settle in once he does start. And again, I'm releasing this probably on Monday morning. And it could be Monday morning when the ruling comes out and some of these questions are already answered. So we'll find out. All right, folks, that's it for us. Follow us on Twitter at TalkRans. Follow me on Twitter at DC Paul. Follow Mike on Twitter at OneDuke23. Don't forget to check out the website, which is a little bit outdated right now. We're going to work on it. So with all that said, time for Skill. Let's get out of here. Have a great one.